Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 152. We're now out of the spooky season. I've had my post-Halloween sadness. November 1st is always a sad day, especially when Spirit Halloween offers 25% off and not 50 anymore. And what's the point of going? But hey, I went to Universal and got a whole bunch of 50% off Halloween Horror Nights merch instead. That's a much better option. So uh, since we're out of spooky season, we're back to your regularly scheduled movie content. And so today we're going to talk about dumb movies. Like just the bottom of the barrel filmmaking wise. Just awful movies. But they're so bad that they loop back around to being good again especially in large groups so that's kind of what specifically we're focusing on of like you can enjoy this by yourself as a horrible horrible experience a fun horrible experience but it's more fun as a communal effort to go wow how did this get made that which is another podcast Hmm. um but josh (laughs) before we get into all that how you doing tonight i'm chilling my dude it's uh it's a day man i've uh been pretty busy as far as watching stuff and uh like dude yeah it's just been cool i'm uh awaiting because we, we record these on tuesday nights right so i'm awaiting my astros to pull a three game winning streak and to take the whole series yeah and so it's gonna happen and the rest of the country is rooting for the Braves. <laughs> oh, legitimately, it is absolutely hilarious that, like, on every, like, poll that I've seen, the whole country is like, yeah, Braves, screw the Astros, which only makes me want the Astros to win even more just to, you know, elevate the villain status. Oh, yeah. They're going to be head of the table if they win. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but you mentioned you, you've you been busy watching stuff. What what you been watching? Okay. <clears throat> So, uh, I finished the Harry Potter series with my dad. Okay. Uh, for, first of all, the back three are so good. Um, like, I, the, obviously, better filmmaking-wise and plot pace and all that. Uh, I rewatched Civil War for reasons. <laughs> it, it, that was one of those, like, man, I, I wonder if it really is as bad as I, like, remember it being. Uh, guys, it is. Um, uh, but says not, Josh. But like, here's the thing. Um, it's not bad because how do I say this? It's not bad because the plot stuff doesn't make sense. It's bad because there's too much going on at the same time. You have like three or four different plot lines all trying to happen at the same time, which I kind of understand because like this is their opportunity to kind of you know introduce some characters but like at the same time it just normally that's a dc problem yeah it this it it has very much like a um a phantom menace vibe to it where it's like okay who's the main character of this of this movie because it says captain america civil war but captain america is not really the main character in the movie it's weird anyway um and then to round out uh, uh, spoopy season, I watched uh, Sinister and Origin of Evil uh, Ouija um, Gosh, those are great movies They're still as good as I remember them They're so good uh, Let's see, and then I watched for <clears throat> This is actually really frustrating um, So I watched Born Identity and Supremacy okay. On HBO Max Okay I 
for whatever reason, Ultimatum is not on HBO Max. It's in the but Voodoo. Legacy, but Legacy is. Is it, that's so that's so weird? Is Ultimatum on Peacock or something? That would be my I, guess. Maybe I guess it's because those are Universal movies. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm gonna find Ultimatum here in a bit and. It's in the that, voodoo. Finish out the series. I know it's in the everything's in the voodoo. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, and then let's see. I finished book two. I've been busy, man. I don't know why. <laughs> I I finished book two of the Witcher series. Um, it's fine. The first one. Is, <laughs> here's the here here's the thing. The first one is very well done, and like the pacing keeps you going. You're like enjoying all of it. The second one, the pacing is super weird, and the Witcher ends up in a weird love triangle with Yennefer, and he has to kill people. It's just like, it's, they start to try to have the discussion about who are the real monsters, the humans or the monsters themselves, now that they're becoming extinct, which is like, it's a very interesting discussion, um, but they they literally, he, he like shoves it in the middle of the dragon story, and it kind of like doesn't i don't know it's odd um but i also finished book two of that comic book series middle west mm. um and i wish i had bought the whole series now because i'm like ah, oh, i need to know like it it builds really really well and the art is just as good as i thought it was going to be and the characters are way more lovable than i thought they were going to be it's like to the point where like i want this to be a show like asap it's so good since you're not getting your red wall series yeah or my magic magic tree house or whatever you know but yeah it, i've dude, i've been busy i don't know why like all of a sudden this week uh, past week i was like hey let's just do everything let's just do all the things all the things so i watched two things making up for my last week where i didn't watch anything uh i saw dune in theaters oh yeah i am so conflicted on dune because like so many people to be fair all the people that i was talking to leading up to this movie are book fans so Mm. they were going into it expecting to like it and i like half of it there's a okay without saying too much there's an there's an event that happens about halfway through the story two-thirds of the way through the story maybe uh maybe about at the two hour mark i i think i really wasn't checking my clock um I was really digging everything up until that point, and then something major happens in the story, and the rest of the movie just kind of feels like it's chugging along to get mm. to the finale, and then it just kind of ends. It's a very odd place to leave this as a movie. I, there's a whole lot of book fans that are going, see, this makes sense to us, though, because we've read the book, we know where this is leading, and this and that, and I'm going, as a movie, though... It's mm-hmm. not a good place to end this story. Like, yeah. at least say what you will about the Hobbit trilogy, but the ending of the second one was a phenomenal place to leave it with the dragon escaping yeah. and, and Frodo, uh, Bilbo just going, what have we done? That's a great cliffhanger. This, it just kind of ends. Like, and uh, I was thinking this when I came out of the theater, of the big event thing that really shifts the narrative in a different direction, which I, I like the direction that it seems like the story's going. I am interested in the second one. That event that changes everything, that should have been the finale of the first movie, I think. Interesting. 
Okay. Uh, and without saying too much, the last 45 minutes, as someone that doesn't know the book or the material, it came across a lot like Harry Potter 7.1 when they're spending a lot of time in the woods. You're just like, mm. can we kind of get to yeah. something else? Like, I get why this is here. This is important. But it felt like it was really being stretched out. Uh, it just was an odd place to leave it. That being said, I do want to see more of this. I think all the performances were fantastic. Uh, after seeing this, I understand why people want Timothy Chalamet's Robin in the Battinson verse. I would absolutely be okay with it. Um, Jason Momoa is freaking awesome as Duncan Idaho. I think he's my favorite character. Oscar Isaac is amazing. Um, everyone in this is outstanding. Cinematography is amazing. Like I said, I was really, really digging it until something major happens in the story and then it just kind of lost me for the rest of it i'm just going you, you got to know when to clip it a little better and a lot of people were telling me like yeah you don't need to read the book to appreciate it and you can follow it fine but i think it would behoove you to read and know the material going into it as opposed to going blind like you could still That's probably right. follow it but I think you will appreciate it more if you know the material. Yeah. Um, as a whole, it wasn't it wasn't bad. But I won't be rushing out to watch it again, I don't think, anytime soon. But I, I will be checking out the sequel whenever that happens in 2023. Um, but Josh clearly has a thought before I get into my well, other so, movie. So my question to you be, here is, would you say, and I know how both of us feel about the whole hbo and max and theater thing would you say it was worth it to see it in the theater or if you have a yes. pretty decent setup at home to just do that there see i've not gone back and rewatched it on hbo max at home to know uh, but it was rewarding to see it in a theater just because of the huge vistas and the landscapes like it it okay. looks gorgeous and it feels epic in scope to the point of i can understand completely why denny villeneuve wanted this to be a theater movie so much because this is a theater going experience um, okay yeah it's it's a movie you need to see in theaters i just am not digging it as much as a lot of other people are but i'm glad to see it's doing well and i'm glad to see i was wrong about its box office and then it yeah. really over delivered and it continues to over deliver the other movie is one that i was just like you know what i'm gonna finally bite the bullet on this because i really like the franchise more than most but i hated the first trailer so i had zero expectations for the forever purge i finally oh, yeah. caved and watched it and honestly, it's on par with the rest of the Purge movies. I really, really? Okay. I really actually didn't mind it nearly as much as I was expecting. It's it's a mixed bag, though. At times, I really liked it, and other times, it didn't feel like a Purge movie. This is a mild spoiler, um, but it's only a spoiler for those that are invested in the franchise. So this is supposed to take place after the third one. But the opening five minutes of the movie is literally them just retconning the end of the third one, just going, oh, yeah, the NFFA are back in power and they reinstated the purge. I'm just going, well, that's freaking lazy. I was yeah. so I was invested in the idea of at the end of election year, the purge is over. But what if there's some radicals out there that are continuing the purge on their own? I think that's a much cooler idea than, hey, just kidding. We reinstated the NFFA. I'm just going, but but the lady president won the election and she abolished it. So we're just going to kind of sweep election year under the rug. Yeah. Um, and it does throw me off how much of this movie takes place during the day. Uh, daylight, I think, 
is bizarre for this movie. It kind of gives it a made-for-TV look to it. Mm. Um, and the Purge characters are never written particularly well, and they're very beat you over the head with politics that are not as subtle as I think they are. So this one deals a lot with immigration. So our main mm. protagonists are a Hispanic couple, who I actually really, really enjoy. Uh, it's a Hispanic couple and an American couple, with the man being Josh Lucas, who honestly... Besides Frank Grillo, I think he might be one of my favorite characters in this entire franchise because he comes into it not overtly racist, but he's got some friction between him and the Hispanic character. I There is some racial tension there, but not as much as you would think. It's more of like, okay. a, like a, they both work for his dad, and so the Hispanic is a much better cowboy than him, and so it's kind of more like a bruised ego type of thing. Uh, but the progression of his character I really, really liked. Um, the feeling of teamwork, it feels much more desperate, so they're basically trying to get across the Mexican border. So, you know, subtle American politics there. But for me, who had, like, beyond zero expectations because I thought the trailers looked terrible... It was par for the course for a Purge movie. I think I might like it better than the first Purge, which I thought was very disappointing. Um, but I'm glad I didn't see this in theaters. And I'm sure it'll be on Peacock soon enough, but I'll probably go yeah. out and buy this one and add it to my collection. The Forever Purge was actually significantly better than I was expecting. It's not the best in the franchise. That's probably still uh, Purge Anarchy. I really mm-hmm. like that one. But this is a pretty solid addition to the franchise. It's never once scary, but the Purge has never been scary to me it's more of an action movie um mm-hmm. they get um some native americans in on the story as well and they're pretty freaking awesome um <laughs> think chief is it his name's chief from the first wonder woman kind of picture his level of awesomeness um yeah and also also without spoiling too much because i think josh would like this way more people survive this movie than i expected um just going, okay, here's our main characters. You're probably going to die. You're probably going to die. You're probably going to die. And by the end of it, I'm going, oh, wow. Way more people survived <laughs> this than I was expecting, which is a, a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. But <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Well, that's good to know, though, because, I mean, you and I were, like, both of us saw the trailers and were like, this doesn't feel at all like a Purge movie. So it it's, both does and doesn't. It's it's weird. That's fair. So, I mean, at least it's it's uh, it's a good thing it's not as terrible as you thought it was it's not one of those that was going to be super dumb and not fun um (laughs) Mm. so now let's get into some news because we have some trailers to discuss kicking us off for news this week is a trailer that has some people pissed off but not for the right reasons which i think is kind of funny sony's just like oh you want to you want a new marvel trailer we got you, bur. We got you, bro. Sure, Spider-Man comes out next month. But here, have this Morbius trailer for a movie coming out in January. And all the Spider-Man fans are going, you troll. Um, so, yes, we have a new Morbius trailer with Jared Leto as the living vampire that is Morbius. Josh and I, I don't remember your initial reactions, Josh, but we didn't mind the first trailer. It looked, no, yeah. looked pretty good. I freaking love this trailer. Like, I, I don't normally say this about Sony movies. They're not bad CG, but credit to the CG artists on this. Like, mm-hmm. from both his transformations when he's the vampire, look outstanding, 
But one of the coolest things I thought about the trailer, the few times that I've watched it now, is I really, really like how they're visually portraying his powers. Yes. Like, the echolocation oh. looks awesome, but not even so much like he's got like the weird like Arkham City, like you press in on the left stick and you got the x-ray vision type of thing. But when they zoom in on his ear and it kind of like reverberating yes. like the ear in a quiet place, I'm like, ooh, ooh, I like that. That looks cool. But uh, obviously we got the, the main look of him as the vampire. I'm going, that, that's Morbius. Because yeah. the first trailer, you're just like, oh, it's just a drug addict with yeah. weird teeth. No, that that's a living vampire. Now my only hope, left is and i think they'll probably give it to us i need the deep v-neck i need the ridiculously <laughs> deep v-neck with the red lapel chest piece maybe you could add the little fluttery cape like the armpit cape but i need the deep v-neck because just from the face and when he's attacking people i'm going holy crap that's morbius i've always liked the character of morbius more than the character of Venom, actually. Um, mm -hmm. Even before I like uh, the Universal Monsters and Dragon and all that, I've always thought Morbius was a much cooler design, a much interesting, much more interesting character than Venom, who is, I would maintain, is more of an anti-hero. Like, Venom, I've always seen as a villain, just straight up. I know he's been anti-hero in some stuff, but I've always seen Morbius as more of an anti-hero, like even straight up teaming with Spider-Man. I think this trailer really over-delivered for me. And that's not even taking into consideration all the very interesting but yet very confusing Spider-Man Easter eggs that I'm sure we'll delve into in a little bit here. Mm -hmm. But, Josh, you are a known Jared Leto fan. What did you think what? of this Morbius trailer? <laughs> it's cool. It's so cool. Like, I think... But it really establishes him as more of an anti-hero in that he wants to do good. His base instinct is to do good. But because of what this of what changes his body into healing him, but also has that other side, he's not sure if he can actually control it because the other side is literally just animalistic and just terrifying. Like, oh. So much cool stuff. Uh, the um, I think the scene that kind of sells it for me in the trailer is when he, uh, I forget the voiceover, but it pans and it shows him like in a closet or something, and like his face transforms out into like the living vampire, and he shakes it and it goes back in, and you can see like the fear in his eyes of like, oh no 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 no, that's not what I want. I can't do that right now. Like. Oh, it's so cool. And then that line at the end of the trailer. <laughs> I'm Venom. Just kidding, man. But Michael Morpheus. Dr. Michael Morpheus, that's just serious. I was like, this is kind of guy. Like, I, I want to be his best friend. But, like, also not because he could kill me. But, yeah, like, it's, it's a very good trailer. Like you said, the CGI is way better than I think we've seen, especially in a vampire movie. Like, mm -hmm. we haven't had, like, a vampire transfer transformation since, like, the Van Helsing, Hugh Jackman days. So it's, like, it's kind of refreshing and cool. And, the, like you said, like you, the, the way that they are visually t telling us his powers is really, really cool as well. Yeah, I think that last line of, like, the I am Venom and, oh, just kidding. Um, Dr. Michael Morpheus at your service. I think that line only really works because it's Jared Leto and no one ever knows if they can trust Jared Leto or not. Like, yeah. is this Suicide Squad? I'm going to 
quote-unquote prank my co-stars Jared Leto or is this nice guy Jared Leto like I I get the imbalance here uh yeah the CG looks really good like the transformations look awesome he looks terrifying now let's get into the very very confusing Spider-Man easter eggs because there's literally a Spider-Man easter egg from every single generation of Spider-Man so far um yep Obviously, we have Michael Keaton returning in this trailer, to which, mark my words, Michael Keaton's just going to be at the very end of this movie. Like, he, Michael yeah. Keaton is going to be the end stinger for this. I don't think he's going to be a very big presence. But you've got him looking at a newspaper that says the Daily Bugle, but that's the Daily Bugle logo and the paper from the Sam Raimi era. Mm-hmm. But then we get that city shot of Oscorp. But that's the logo of Oscorp from the amazing Spider-Man movies. And then they mention, you know, that weird thing in San Francisco. So that's clearly a reference to Venom. Let there be Carnage or just Venom in general. So either Sony is just merging all the Spider-Man universes into one now because of No Way Home. Or they're just going... Screw it. We're just going to reference everything. And it says, choose your own adventure story. Um, I I think really the big missing piece right now is No Way Home. Yeah. Because, uh, again, Venom, Let There Be Carnage had that sting of going, okay, this is going to clearly connect to Spider-Man somehow. This has all the Spider-Man references. So, like, I saw the Oscorp thing. I'm going, ah, so this confirms Josh and I's theory that the Morbius and Venom universe takes place in the Angie Garfield world. Well, you got Michael Keaton here, and you've got Sam Raimi's Spider-Man references, mm-hmm. and then the last trailer he had the Sp- Sam Raimi's Spider-Man uh, on the wall and the graffiti that says murderer. So I am very, very confused by this trailer as to like where this fit chronologically, and I'm worried that No Way Home is not going to answer these questions, and so it's just going to go... You can't sue us. We made these movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm fair. And it's interesting that, like, they the, when they do the little section in the trailer about, like, the studio that brought you these movies, they're, like, brought you uh, a, a, a No Way Home. And I'm like, but that movie's not out yet. Wait, are you saying that? No, it says Far From Home. It does? Okay. Yeah, it says Far From Home and Venom. Okay. Well then my whole confusion it doesn't make sense so uh <laughs> but like it's still like very odd and a lot of like when michael i was while i am super down for this morbius teaming like acting across from michael keaton's vulture that is also incredibly confusing canon wise so i don't know uh, the only thing that could make this better is if those two were also in the same scene as uh, William Defoe's Green Goblin, and then in which case, I don't know what to feel because that would be, that's like peak Spider-Man right there for me. That's like I don't know what to do with that. Uh, uh, like you said, it's, it's kind of confusing where this is story-wise, and I think it's very possible that they're putting all those references in. In order to try to keep you off the trail as far as what's going to happen in, in No Way Home. That's, at least that's my hope. Either that or like the marketing team for Morbius and the marketing team for No Way Home are not on the same page. And the mm-hmm. Morbius people are just like, yeah, we could show whatever. And the Spider-Man people are just going, 
no, that's not common knowledge yet. Which, quick side tangent about the Spider-Man thing. Until we actually get a new trailer, can we stop getting like, oh, look at this newly released image. And it's still from that exact same bridge scene. Like, every new picture that's come out is that Spider-Man Doc Ock bridge scene. I'm just going, so the yeah. whole movie takes place on a bridge, basically? Yeah, um, that's what we're hearing. Or it could be an endgame situation where all the trailers basically just show the first five minutes, basically. Um, I mean, that's not like that wouldn't be like terrible. I would be I'd be pretty OK with that. I I just. Well, I think I said this last week, I'm just ready for this movie to come out so we can stop speculating and stop getting all the the stupid crap. Like at this mo at this particular moment, I think the kind of the the vibe around No Way Home is going to take away my enjoyment of it, whether or not it's a good movie. Yeah, I hope this... I'm glad this didn't get review-bombed like some other Sony trailers lately. Mm. Now, a trailer that I was not expecting, but probably should have been just because this show is right around the corner, is the mm-hmm. first trailer for The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, this dropped, I think, December, so next month. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, while this is not the best trailer of the year... It does get me very, very hyped, and it's also something different tonally than what I was expecting for this Boba Fett series, because when Boba Fett got introduced in Season 2 of The Mandalorian, he just immediately starts wrecking house, he's just destroying all the stormtroopers, it looks like he's got all this badass action, and this definitely is more low-key. Sure, we've still got some action here, but this definitely seems more... I'm ruling the underworld now, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of all about it. The line that I'm just going, oh, yes is Jabba ran the underworld out of fear. I will run it with respect. And I'm just going, heck yeah. Now, my immediate thought, because it's my brain, and because I I still think the ending of Mandalorian Season 2 is just the Iron Man of the greater Disney Plus Mm -hmm. Star Wars Cinematic Universe, as great as this trailer was, I'm thinking the whole time, okay, What's going to be the stinger at the end of the season? Because I'm sure there will be. Yeah. It's either... I would love it if either Boba Fett goes... There's still an open contract on that smuggler. And goes to basically find Han. Or, what I kind of hope even more so... Is... The man that threw... The man that tried to kill me... By throwing me in the pit... Is still out there. He won't get that same mistake again. And he goes to find Luke Skywalker. I I could go for a Boba Fett, Luke Skywalker rematch. Because, you know, Boba going out like a chump and accidentally getting bumped into a pit to his his death. Like, come on now. Um, I I think what's really cool is the contrast between what last time we saw Boba to this. Apparently he's going to be in this show. In this show. Isn't that, like, we know he can wreck house. And obviously they're not going to like just not have him wreck house in this, in this trailer. Cause there's times where he's like, got those crazy eyes and he's like whacking the crap out of someone. So obviously it's still going to happen, but I like that we as the audience can go into this, like basically a political thriller um, and go, okay, he could go off at any moment. We know what he's actually capable of. And some of these people might not know what he's capable of. Kind of like that scene where he's like, well, you know, you know, 
well, what's to stop us from just killing you and taking everything? And blah, blah. like, there's a, definitely something that happens in between that moment and the line delivered by by Boba later, where he's like, well, you know, if you had said that that kind of insolence to Jabba, he would have thrown you to the menagerie. Like, there's definitely something that happens between there. But I just love like Boba being this like calm, cool, collected like overlord of the underworld like that just sounds so cool and as much as like your theory sounds super cool like for this ending stinger um the only reason i'd like him to go after uh uh luke skywalker is if they're gonna have sebastian stan play skywalker um because i don't want so much cg in the face and he already yeah. looks like mark hamill come on just let like let it happen it's fine um i'm trying to think of like what could maybe him going going back to hang out with with uh the man with mando would be cool but like i feel like this is gonna be a expansion i don't know about you but when they showed that shot of most Eisley, i was like oh whoa this town's grown so much that's so great like how how did they communicate that in like one shot of like me as a star wars fan who knows what most Eisley looks like being like oh Hey, that's most likely. Whoa, it's gotten so big. Man, this feels like coming back to like coming home to a town after four years of college. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's so cool. <laughs> that was such a cool feeling. I don't know why. I love at the end when he's just like the line that you mentioned of just like, if you said that to Jabba, he would have fed you to his menagerie. Speak freely. And I'm just going, nope, don't speak freely. That's a threat. That's a threat. <laughs> it's like stereotypical of like, uh, you could do what you want. You cannot do what you want. Speak freely. Uh, if we don't get references to Luke or Han, can we bring back some Star Wars bounty hunters, please? Yeah, that'd be fun. Like Dengar or Bosk. Or, I don't know, because I don't know this section of the universe, and I know this storyline was originally planned, it just never came to fruition. We know Dave Filoni is in charge of all the streaming stuff, or has a hand in all the streaming stuff. Josh, how would you feel about Boba Fett versus Cad Bane? Oh, I'm down, yeah. The other thing that had come to mind is like, well, you know, as far as we know, Obi-Wan and Ta is going to be on Ta Tatooine at the same time. Obi-Wan's dead. This is after Return of the Jedi. Uh, don't don't talk to me, man. I don't I don't need <laughs> What where is your brain? This is after Mando season no. 2. <laughs> I love that I was like, man, it's so great to see most likely grow and then instantly go to like putting something outside of the timeline. <laughs> Dang it. Okay, never it's mind. It's after Return of the Luke. Yeah, yeah, don't. Yeah, which is, which is long also gone. Like, well, some of the some of the fan theories for this trailer are insane. Like some of them were saying like there's there's some moments where he's fighting Darth Maul and was like, "Excuse me, um Darth Maul's been dead for a long time. He's like, been killed twice by Obi-Wan. Yeah, like, you can't... Shut up. Like, that's not gonna be a thing that happens here. Like, ugh. No, but, like, they never did actually end up filming that Cad Bane thing. Supposedly, they were supposed to do a Boba Fett versus Cad Bane in, like, either Bad Batch or Clone Wars, and it got scrapped. And that's where Boba gets his iconic dent in the helmet from, is from Cad mm -hmm. Bane. So... Maybe for those that don't know, Cad Bane is like one of the best bounty hunters in Clone Wars. Now I'm not a Clone Wars expert. I have I've seen a few episodes, but I think that would be an interesting way to expand a universe, kind of like they did with bringing in Ahsoka for season two of Mando. If you bring in more 
That could make the universe smaller, though, as opposed to growing it larger. I would like to see, like, a Dengar or a Bosk, especially a Bosk, come in, because he's um, OP in the games, and I, I just like true. Bosk. That's true. What'd be really cool is if he started getting all those bounty hunters as his, like, his quote-unquote royal guard. Oh. Like, oh, that would be cool. Like, you gotta fight all these, like, of the best of the best to get to him. Anyway. Oh, um, or, yeah. or we get this season one is him claiming Jabba's throne. And season two, it's gonna be a weird analogy, but go with me here. Boba Fett becomes Amanda Waller and has his own suicide squad of bounty hunters. Oh, I'm, down. I'm down. Yeah. Of like, yeah, that'd be mm. cool. I don't. The other only other thing that comes to mind right off the bat, outside of them just doing something completely new, um, I don't remember how she exits exits the show, but it might be interesting to do to bring Ventress to live action. Ooh. But I don't know. I'm trying to remember how they if she like dies dies in Clone Wars. Yeah, I don't or, remember. I don't remember, but like having Ventress in live action would be really, really cool. Um, just to have—I mean, you don't have to have a Force user in the show. You never have to have a Force user in Star Wars shows, but it'd be kind of cool if the uh, if he's trying to take over the underworld of Tatooine, and there just happens to be another. Oh, oh, you know, big major boss that's also trying to compete and take over the underworld, and it just happens to be Ventress. Like that would be super interesting to me. But then again, I don't know if that. I don't remember how they how she exits the show, so it, yeah. it might be a little little shoddy there. I don't remember either. Now, let's go for random castings of the day that aren't technically official castings for five hundred, <laughs> Alex. Uh, supposedly. Bill Murray has been cast in Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. So we say supposedly because it isn't technically official, but Bill Murray more or less just kind of like looked at the camera, said he was in a Marvel movie, and then didn't specify who he was working with, and then kind of quickly shut his mouth because he realized he gave away too much. So he more or less said something about like, Oh, I've wanted to work with director Peyton Reed for a really long time. Um, I enjoyed my experience, but I don't think I'd do more than one Marvel movie, to which everyone's just going, Peyton Reed did Ant-Man. I don't think I would ever do more than one Marvel movie, but I enjoyed my time doing it. One plus one equals four. <laughs> Bill Murray's in Ant-Man and the Wasp. But to me, that this is pretty... Obviously. Yeah, that's not a far stretch at all. <laughs> no, like, I think he's just like, oh, well balls i gave away more than i should have so now i'm gonna get sniped by kevin feige uh but like didn't overtly like say what his yeah. role is so yeah. let's let's speculate like everyone else is speculate what could bill murray be doing <laughs> in ant-man and the wasp quantumania my first guess he's just playing bill murray because that's kind of his shtick lately is i will cameo as myself it worked in both Ghost and not Ghostbusters. It worked in both Zombielands. He's probably cameoing Ghostbusters. He's probably just Bill Murray in this, or they're just gonna make a very, very, really on the nose meta Groundhog Day joke about something in the quantum verse, and maybe like days repeating, and you have Bill Murray because it's Bill Murray. Um, Josh, Bill Murray will now be entering the MCU. Yay or nay? I mean, Bill Murray's great in everything. 
Um, except Garfield. Yeah, except, no, honestly, him voicing Garfield is the best thing about those movies. They're not good movies, but I watch them to hear Bill Murray be a grumpy cat. Um, and now it's Chris Pratt's turn. Yes, it is, unfortunately. Um, but I'm fine with it. It's it's cool. I mean, I don't. I'm, I think the only thing, like you said, is I don't know who he'd play. Mainly because we're not really 100% sure what Quantum Mania is going to be about, necessarily. Um, we know vague terms, but that's about it. The only thing that comes to mind, and this also this heavily depends on if they end up kind of dabbling more in multiverse stuff. How hilarious would it be if uh, Bill Murray played a another universe's version of Hank Pym? <laughs> and then he's... <laughs> Yeah, I made the pin. I, 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 I made the pin particles. I don't know. Which, yeah, that's, that's the thing I did. I don't know. It'd be. It, it, I think it'd be fun. I don't. Or like an old version of Ant Man or something like that. Ooh. Like that would be. That's that's so funny to me. Like, come on. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it could be interesting. Um, or you know, Bill Murray's decided to be a serious actor, like a like a very dramatic actor. All of a sudden, he has I, I been. Any Wes Anderson movie. I mean that's fair, uh, but that's that's Wes. I I love Wes Anderson, yes, but I know too. how like not like quote unquote serious they are. Like I don't know, like they are quirky. serious, but they're not. They're quirky. That's different. The quirky is still up his his uh, his his uh, his his aisle. But like seeing Bill Murray be a villain would be cool. I don't know how you pull it off, and I don't know what kind of villain. But I'm always down to see a comedic actor all of a sudden. Start yelling about how he's going to kill people. So, uh, you know, Mel Gibson, I guess. Well, we know that Jonathan Majors <sighs> is in it, though, as Kang. So I don't think Bill Murray would be the villain. Here's, if he's not playing Bill Murray, because that's just what he does. My other thought was, and I looked up the ages. This could absolutely check out. What if he's just playing Paul Rudd's dad? We've never heard Scott Lang mention his dad before. What if he's Scott Lang Senior? What if he's What if he's Scott Lang's dad? Like the only more I was about to say the only more likable person in Paul Rudd is Bill Murray, but Bill Murray's kind of a likable jerk. <laughs> like yeah, that's kind of is. his thing. Like Paul Rudd's on a different level, but I could absolutely buy oh, dude, Bill Murray be being so... Paul Rudd's dad. I've, I've already like putting that scene together in my head of like Paul. <laughs> they're just they go. They need to go to to his dad's house or something and like paul rudd's like yeah i mean dad that's so funny and like he's like laughing but like the wasp he's like that was really mean like what are you doing <laughs> i don't know it'd be fun yeah I'm, I'm totally down with that i don't again i'm all down for more bill murray but uh i just don't know what i'd see him in what what no <laughs> now we really, really like the Morbius and the Book of Boba Fett trailers. And now for a trailer that I don't know how I feel about it. And that is... <laughs> and that is the trailer for Disney Pixar's Lightyear. Now, my love of Toy Story is well documented on the podcast. Um, so I am not opposed to this movie. However, I am very confused as to what this movie is, and this trailer does not help. No, nope. so, <laughs> not at all. Was it last year that like D twenty three, um, 
big mm-hmm. thing where they announce everything that they're just like, we're doing a Lightyear movie with Chris Evans. And I'm still very confused as to what this movie is. I don't mind it as Chris Evans as opposed to Tim Allen. I know some people are like, well, why isn't Tim Allen coming back? This isn't the first time we've recasted Tim Allen's voice for Buzz Lightyear. Patrick Warburton. Heck yes. Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, the animated series. But also, this is not the same Buzz that we know. And this is where the confusion lies. The people making this movie are like, this is the movie that inspired the toys. This is the movie that Andy saw that made him get the Buzz Lightyear stuff. I'm going, so... Is this a movie? Or is this real-life events that will later get turned into a movie that Andy watches? And does this movie know it's a movie? Is this like a hard sci-fi fake movie? Is this, Or am I overthinking this? Like Toy Story... And then watching the trailer, it looks cool visually, but it concerns me that we get zero of the story. We get barely any voice acting, and I think that was absolutely done intentionally because while some people know that Tim Allen's not returning, I think there would be a lot more dislikes and much more discord going on if... We could hear Chris Evans speak more in the trailer, and people realize it's not Tim Allen. I think there's still some people that are under the assumption that he'll come back. I, it was an odd choice to have such little dialogue. Granted, some of the visuals look cool, and I know it's not a Toy Story movie, but it looks so visually different from Toy mm-hmm. Story. I'm There are certain things that I liked about it. But I didn't love this trailer. It has nothing to do with the Tim Allen recasting. It's just that this trailer doesn't give us anything to munch on. Like, it's just kind of there. And I've heard a really good theory. And we're like, yeah, I kind of buy this. So this trailer only dropped now so that they can start releasing toys in time for Christmas. Oh, that makes me sad. Uh, yeah, so... First of all, the song in the trailer has been stuck in my head since I watched it. <laughs> clearly. Uh, <laughs> clearly. Uh, it's a cool rendition of it. Unlike some other, you know, changes, like like Uncharted tried to do Revelin, and it was just not, it didn't work for me. But this the song here is not distracting. It kind of makes sense. They time everything pretty well. Uh, like you said, the visuals are incredible. I still don't understand why uh everyone else in this movie has normal chins and buzz lightyear has the chin the size of texas um it doesn't make sense it's also really weird to see buzz with hair see that um, that doesn't bother me people are just like wait buzz had hair wait well, y'all yeah. thought buzz had a purple head like wait, what <laughs> are you kidding I mean, me like... that's clearly a cat <laughs> I mean, I know, and like I and like I understood that, but that doesn't make it any less weird to see him with hair. It'd be like if you saw me with my with the hair? hair I had at, in high school, which was like all Justin Bieberish. So, like Josh had that, hair at one point. I did. I had such glorious locks. Um, <laughs> but like, now it that's, just fell below his chin. I think, like you said, this gives us nothing to munch on story wise. But my least favorite part of this trailer is the end where they're like to infinity and they do the little hand thing and, and then they just cut it. And I was like, why? It's such an awkward tone to cut. I understand you're trying to be like, <laughs> and beyond, right? You guys get it. <laughs> you guys get it. <laughs> but like, it doesn't make it any less awkward. It's like a weird cut to end just because also 
the tone of the voice suggests more more is coming but like you end the trailer right there. it's just weird i'm not sure how to feel how i feel about it also weird little nitpick that has nothing to do with the trailer and has nothing that, that the trailer could have known there's a there's a horror game that just came out called poppy's playland and it's actually really really scary but uh there's a toy that you get in that looks like an orange cat and it, there's an orange cat in this that the design looks a lot like that cat and i was just like in my head with that cat's gonna kill everything it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> happen but that's not that's not what's gonna happen so that just threw me but yeah it's it's a weird trailer it really so, is i i don't know there's some parts that i'm just like oh wait 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 are you actually referencing the thing that i didn't think you were gonna reference like I highly doubt they're going to go back and implement anything from Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, the animated series, even though they should. They should look at that as the template for this. Mm-hmm. But there's a shot in this trailer where there's so- where someone walking down an alleyway with a whole bunch of what look like Zerg bots uh, mm-hmm. with someone in a red suit and going, why does that look like Buzz's old partner that has the hook hand that's got the blue skin that I'm forgetting what his name is? That looks yeah. exactly like his suit um are we like i will completely throw all of my cynicism and skepticism about this movie out the window if in the next trailer you show us booster and xr in the same Mm. spaceship with him and Mm. then all of a sudden mirror just floats up through the floor with her um um what's it phasing abilities i'll go like shut up and take my money you have all of my money. That's that is also something that I that isn't very clear in this trailer is if they almost treat it like he's the first one to go on this space adventure in some ways. And then I know there's that tentacle, but there's a disturbing lack of aliens. And maybe, maybe this is just because you and I love Buzz Lightyear Star Command, and we're expecting this to be like that, or we want this is supposed, we feel like this is supposed to take that place of that show that, for whatever reason, they they ignore that it exists. Because um, John Lasseter hated the show. Well, that's, okay, fine. That's why it's not on Disney+, Plus. but he's not at Disney anymore, so. I don't get it. It, I mean, it's all on YouTube. You can go watch it. It's fine. Well, Um, certain episodes are gone due to copyright, which is stupid. Which is so odd that, like, it's only, like, every other, like, a fourth episode or something like that is is missing. Um, that show is absolutely rid- ridiculous and fun. And, like, there's, like, some sci-fi stuff they do that's, like, ap- like <laughs> Buzz Lightyear falling in love with a woman who has got a head the size of a planet is just oh, ridiculous. But it's so fun. Uh, but, like, I-, I can't tell if my hesitancy towards this trailer is because of my love of that show or if they're really because they really aren't giving us any kind of like timeline or like hey this is where this is what's happening there's no story chunks other than just the visuals which i don't mind because the visuals are beautiful but it's just is this is this reality sci-fi or is this fantasy sci-fi like are we getting a ton of aliens or is this more about the exploration there is some teases to zerg which i'm all down for i i need the final fight to be an actual buzz versus zerg fight and not as much as it was funny in toy story 2 of i'm gonna play catch with my dad like as great as that was i want an actual zerg versus buzz fight and i don't know if we'll get that or not but i did see quite a few zerg references in here so 
maybe we'll at least have that but uh, yeah this trailer it's not bad but at the same time it didn't win me over who's already kind of on the fence about this movie because it feels like this movie doesn't know what it wants to be other than we need to sell toys and toy story doesn't isn't a continuing franchise anymore um now you can do this with buzz with recasting the voice of chris evans you can't do this with woody and maybe that's why they're doing it with buzz because we know what the voice in woody's roundup sounds like i'm surprised they haven't tried to do a woody's roundup movie yet but you can't do that because tim allen voiced it then not tim allen tom hanks voiced it then too i'm I just don't know about this movie. I'm hoping it's not another Monsters University situation, but this trailer hasn't really wowed yeah. me. Then again, Pixar hasn't really wowed me a lot in the past decade or so. Yeah, but like, and it's tough because it again, and we keep saying this, visually stunning. So it's like it's going to be one of those movies. I feel, and I hope it's not this, that the story is crap, the characters are crap, but it's great to look at. <laughs> like the good dinosaur. Oh. Now, lastly, speaking of stunning, we have Keanu Reeves. Um, <laughs> Keanu Reeves spinoff. Uh, lastly, for our news, we have further updates about this John Wick spinoff series called Ballerina. Basically about the secret organization that was first introduced in John Wick Chapter 3. And now it seems like we have our lead protagonist will be played by Ana de Armas, and I could not be happier. This woman is just everywhere now. I mm-hmm. had no idea who she was until Knives Out when she was Marta, and I thought she was absolutely the best thing about that movie, and there's a lot to love about Knives Out. And then she absolutely crushed it in the new James Bond. I'm really, really excited to see her in more stuff. Depending on who is the creative team... I'm very excited about a John Wick mm. spinoff. If it is still the same core crew, I will trust it because John Wick movies, all of them have consistently entertained me. I love the lore and the universe that they have built over time, that they don't over-explain everything, but you can clearly tell, okay, this is some weird stuff in the spy world, but I kind of really, really enjoy it. And I hope this isn't just like a an Annabelle to a conjuring type of situation of we're just going to pass off the B storylines to somebody else. I don't expect Chad Stahelski to direct these like he's done all the other John Wicks, but I'm hoping it keeps the same quality and having Ana de Armas in this is a strong starting point. I don't know why, but I heard some other names in this that I thought were already cast, but I think she works better because she already has that, I want to say foreign appeal but there is something too if if you have ballerina i don't expect it to be an american actress i expect yeah. someone with you could have a bunch of different backgrounds that i would buy but she has this mystique to her that i'm just like you are very intriguing as an actress and i'm very intrigued by the character that you might bring to this we don't know if angelica houston will be coming back i would imagine so because she's the one that that supposedly is in charge of all the ballerinas. I think it would be a long shot for Keanu to come back, but Angelica Houston, that would make sense. Um, Josh, as a fellow John Wick fan, are you intrigued by the prospect of a spinoff series? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm with you. Is like As long as it's not like 
all the B storylines get thrown onto her uh, because a that's kind of that's kind of crappy to do to create a spinoff series and then just give them the storylines you didn't want to do. Um, I'm kind of expecting a something like Gunpowder Milkshake uh, mixed with uh, what was it Atomic Atomic Girl Atomic Blonde Yeah, something in between there. Um, tone wise, I I don't know. I'm not I'm not 100 sure where they're going with it. Uh, I. It's, it's it's Anna de Armas. She's great. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan <clears throat> for certain reasons, but um, <laughs> I, I, I at the same time like obviously the idea and the concept of a female lead in an action movie has been growing more popular. It's not always done 100 percent to perfection. Gunpowder uh, milkshake. What? Yes. While I like Gunpowder milkshake is not perfect. There's some stuff that they do with karen gillian's character in that movie that i really enjoy in that at no point do they pretend like just because she's a great fighter she can overpower people who are like three times her size and to me that's i think especially with with doing a ballerina with the ballerinas it's going to be something i would expect it i should say to be something different than than uh, John Wick, where he's just this lumbering man who can kill anyone, but she has to be smarter about how she interacts with all of the fights and stuff like that. But it's still like really awesome in her own right. I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's got it. I think there's a weird, delicate balance that that needs that is going to have to exist in this. They... But I think it's yeah. Give again if the originals like. Uh, crew comes back to do the spinoff stuff, I have no worries whatsoever. I think they'll do fine. So basically, I, I think I get what you're saying of, like, you want it to feel in the Wick universe, but the character mm-hmm. not to feel like John Wick. Like, yeah. That, the yeah, way, that, that, yeah. The way Captain America fights is not the same as Black Widow type of situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the last thing I want is for her to fight exactly like Keanu. Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Now, I'm thinking of, like, other characters that could potentially show up in this. Angelica Houston really needs to come back because she was the person we first met as the person introducing us into these ballerina characters i would like the concierge to come back please because he's like my favorite character in all the john wick movies even more so than john wick like john's cool the concierge is where it's at maybe bring halle berry back yeah that's because oh like halle berry and the dogs were the coolest thing to add to this universe And, like, she doesn't even have to be, like, someone who trains her or, like, it could literally just be the kind of interaction that John Wick has with her of, like, hey, you're an, you're a co-worker, let's get this stuff done. Like, that could be interesting. I think what's also going to be interesting is timeline of, like, where this movie takes place in the John Wick universe. Does it take place during all the events of John Wick? Does it take place after if -hmm. it's before where was this character doing all the events of of one two and three you know so i i think to say a spinoff almost does it discredit because it does have because john wick has does such a good job of building its its lore and its world that you can't just be like all right cool we did batman and robin time to do a batgirl movie like you can't just do a spinoff you have to it actually has to have a place in the story now. Yeah, like, is this happening at the same time as John Wick? 
to the point that she might eventually help him take on the head of the table type of thing? Or is it the high table? Head of the table is somebody completely different. Mm-hmm. Although, Roman Reigns is a John Wick henchman. I I could get down with that. But that would Absolutely. involve him being away from the title for a while. Like, could she eventually cross over with Wick? Maybe she was tasked to kill Wick at one point And is one of the only people to ever survive an encounter mm-hmm. with him. Because he sometimes leaves people alive. Common is still out there somewhere in the Wick-verse. He didn't die in John Wick 2. So this intrigues me. I like the John Wick universe, so I always like to see more of it. Just keep the quality, and I'll be happy. I know that's a high ask, but just keep the quality is all I can ask for John Wick at this point for the spinoffs. So, Josh, you do the sponsor for this week, so you can drop the big news that we've got. <laughs> so we always have uh, our sponsor for T Public because we—that's where you can get all T Public merch, correct? Like so, Josh's shirt. Like my shirt, exactly. It's, it's a cool super shirt. comfy. It is Everyone actually. like that. I, dude, I, it is a tri blend, and oh my gosh, this thing is so soft even after a couple washes. Um, and like I've gotten some other stuff from from T Public that's not Uncharted, and it's really high quality stuff. Um, that being said. You and me are always looking to kind of expand the brand. I guess. I'm going to say brand like we're like super cool and up there. But um, you recently created the, uh, the the tinfoil hat shirt, which is cool because you and I are always around for we got our, our conspiracy theories and stuff like that. I was so, out yesterday and someone pointed that out and they're like, what, what's that? I'm like, when you have a crazy idea, you have a tinfoil hat theory. And she's like, oh, never heard that before. I'm like weird but okay but okay (laughs) um so with that in mind i commissioned what will be three different shirts that uh, two of them are in in the works but one of them will be dropping for today today yeah today uh because you know technically this drops on wednesday Uh, but it drops today and it's uh as halloween themed as it gets because you and i are huge halloween fans both in the day season and in the movies and it is just a cool cool design that it's probably my favorite we have so far yeah it's i mean it's just that it's got an 80s vibe to it it's just two guys watching a tv watching halloween because you movie. know neither of us were alive in the 80s and watched yeah, halloween exactly. as a kid <laughs> which is why but like at the same time that's exactly why i had it like two kids watching it because it just it looks cool it just we watch cool. kids who watch halloween exactly <laughs> um but like it's the there's a lot of little I don't know how much you've looked at it but there's a lot of oh, yeah. really really cool details like the uh, the high sea coolers and stuff like that and like it's just it's just a fun shirt design and you should totally go and check it out and support the channel as best you can my guys. So we like dumb stuff, <laughs> which you, is why we're friends. Yeah, and if you're listening to us, friends. you like dumb stuff too. <laughs> And it's safe to say that at least some of these movies, if you're listening to this now, you've seen at least one or two of these movies of just bottom-of-the-barrel filmmaking of, like, how did this get approved by anyone? But in being so bad at their craft, they end up being something special and something fun. And those, to me, that's something beautiful. You try. <laughs> it's the Bart Simpson, at least you tried. And it ends up being so fun fun in the process of going 
you just straight up missed the target so much that you shot the next door neighbor from your missed shot here. But sometimes that could be really, really fun in and of itself, especially when you're in a group. A lot of these movies we saw in college because we're like, oh, no, this is like legendarily bad. And friends don't let friends watch bad movies alone. Some of these were five good things. Others were just, wow, you got to roast them together. So, uh, Josh, where should we start? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start with uh, one that I don't know if you've seen but is actually no i know that you've seen it it's only available on youtube now it used to be on netflix uh kung fury is is absolute garbage but see but it is so good that one is like self-aware that it's gar it's intentionally trying to be bad is it though is it though? yes it's intentionally uh, supposed to be bad as okay. opposed to some other well, ones that are the like the only one on this list that it's intentionally bad because okay god like it just like but there's a certain je ne sais quoi I, yeah because like the, mo- the the line that gets me every single time is when he they finish first of all they time travel by hacking which is hilarious um and then but they he's like oh what how far back did I go? What is that a, velo- a a laser raptor? I must be in the Viking Age. Like what? How how are those dots connected? I don't. Uh, it's 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 a great time. It's only like forty five minutes long, and it's on YouTube. If you go look it up, it's <laughs> the best. So, the so best terrible. thing that came out of that though was that amazing David Hasselhoff song. Yes, like, that's such a good song. Um, <laughs> and the the ending the ending clip when they he goes back in time and he's talking you see him talking to the car he's like come on half nine thousand open the doors half nine thousand open the doors you could never hassle the half half nine thousand it's like you can't oh that's so good I just can't it's so stupid and so dumb but it's so perfect okay so I've got. I tried to count up right now. I've, as it stands right now, I've got one, two, three Nicolas Cage movies. Dude, I intentionally was like, um, no, I'm only going to do one because they could all be on this list. There's some other Nicolas Cage movies that I thought about, but I'm like, no, they're just torture to watch. They're not even fun bad. Like Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen in Outcast. Good God, that has to be one of the worst movies Josh and I ever did for Five Good Things. That was so bad. Uh, well, and uh, the, uh, his Left Behind. That's on my terrible. list! But, like, he's the best part of the movie. For some reason, he chose that moment to act his butt off. It's because he got to just sit in a comfy chair the entire movie. He's just in the pilot seat. But, no, Left Behind is on my list because I saw this movie in theaters i willingly because because i knew this is either going to be a good movie fat chance of that actually happening but strange things have happened is either going to be a good movie or nicholas cage dumpster fire in which case sign me up i love dumpster fires and this is absolutely an atrocity to filmmaking that needs to be experienced as a community there's a shot that they're just like, oh, we're going to be creative. And, like, uh, there's a dog sitting on the front porch. So then the very next shot in the movie is looking at the house from the dog's perspective. The shot is out of focus. 
And I'm going, <laughs> how did you get an establishing shot out of focus? You only have one thing to establish. <laughs> or like the moment where everyone actually gets raptured and like everyone's gone. Like this girl's like oh, hugging her little brother. And then all of a sudden there's this awkward jump cut and she's holding a pile of clothes with this weird strobe effect. And you're just like, who okayed this? Who thought this was fine? You're making me miss the Kirk Cameron movie, to which I've seen all three. Yeah, but, like, what's so funny is that Nicolas Cage is literally the best thing about it. And he's not, like, this isn't, this isn't Nicolas Cage in Vampire's Kiss. This isn't Nicolas Cage in Face Off. This is, like, Nicolas Cage if Liam Neeson was trying to be Nicolas Cage. Like, he's, like... <laughs> acting his butt off for no reason because this movie is absolutely terrible but he's like the most believable character in the entire film and i well, don't understand when your movie has chad michael murray jordan sparks and the short guy from pirates of the caribbean it's not hard for him to be the best character <laughs> at one point jordan sparks holds somebody at gunpoint and i'm just going is that jordan sparks <laughs> That, what is she doing here? Also, yeah. there's a moment where clearly not all the cast is together, so they have like that obligatory look at this character looking lovingly at the family picture. It is one of the worst Photoshop jobs I have ever seen, and I've seen a poster for this movie. In which case, you're just going, "Oh, did you just photo Photoshop Nicolas Cage's face onto someone else's body? Because the hair doesn't line up on this, and that's not his hair in the movie." Uh, I'm I'm particularly harsh on like five dollar movie buck bins um, posters because some of those are just atrocious, and Left Behind is one of them. They're just going, "Oh no, that's bad. This this movie's bad, but it's so." at least entertaining and how bad it is just going what is going on here and the end of it i was just like oh yeah we're gonna survive somehow because there's only like five main characters that you care about and it just kind of mm -hmm. ends like the whole left behind element of it is really not anything so left behind is a christian property there's nothing christian about this movie it's just like nope, they got the rights God. to it basically like the only thing you really care about is some people on a plane go missing and that's about the extent of the left behindness yeah. and they're just like yeah. how do we land this plane oh my daughter's on the ground she's gonna light up some cones with a truck so we can find a place to land like it's not the left behind element is not really a big part of this movie, but it's so dumb that it becomes fun. Again, your cast includes Nicolas Cage, Chad Michael Murray, Jordan Sparks, and the short guy. Oh, um, what's his face? I think from the blind side was in it, and you're just going, what happened Wait, to that what? guy? Yeah. What? Oh, okay. That's crazy. It's so, and like, I did that to you when I was watching Ouija Origin of Evil. I was like, whoa. Hey, this person's in it. This person's in it. This person's in it. And you're like, yeah, it's 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 a Mike Flanagan. I was like, oh, that would make. <laughs> it's not the most. It's not the biggest WTF cameo that we'll talk about today for another Nicolas yeah. Cage movie that Josh and I just saw together for the first time and went, wait, pause, like get within two inches of the TV. Is that? No. 
But we'll talk about that one later. That's the yep. weirdest cameo I've ever seen. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about the movie that, and I think part of these two, this whole discussion is some of these movies are so bad, but like certain people enjoy the crap out of them because they're so bad. Um, so if you've seen movie 43, it, you know, it's oh, basically, it's basically like an inside joke from a bunch of producers and it doesn't make sense. It's a bunch of stories that are absolutely terrible, but I tell you what, I, the, the image of the whole skit of Hugh Jackman having a ball sack on his neck literally pops in my head once a once or twice a month. And I laugh every single time. And I don't know why. And there's so much in this movie. That's like that. Like, um, they literally I, had to blackmail some of their actors to be in this movie. <laughs> Richard Gere is in this movie because he's, because they offered him the movie and he's like, sorry, my schedule's busy. They're like, it's okay. We'll wait. And so they literally waited him for him to be free. And you could tell he doesn't want to be in this movie. <laughs> but then like the, the whole bit about Chris Pratt, like Chris Pratt's wife, wife wanting to take a crap. Which that scene has not aged especially no, well at all. It is not. Because for those that are curious, <laughs> it's Chris Pratt and oh. Anna Ferris in a scene together as a romantic couple, and you're just going, "Oh no, this is just, this is before dude, things went bad." It just has not aged well. It's because it's not a good movie. It's not good at all. It's super no, bad. No, I do not I enjoy like, this movie. It's a, it's a, it's painful. <laughs> I'm sorry. I enjoy the crap out of it, and I don't know why. <laughs> crap. Um, but like, <laughs> I can't talk about this movie without laughing because it's it's so utterly ridiculous. There's no way that this movie went to theaters yet. It did, and like, oh, I don't understand it. Like, it is it is who what. Who said that Michael Jackson having a ball sack on Michael Jackson, Hugh Jackman having a ball sack on his neck as a as like a physical feature was a good idea? But which gosh, that is so funny. They blatantly just stole that from Men in Black too with the Balchinians. I mean, yes, but <laughs> so it's like a draft comes through the restaurant and they shrivel up, and he's like, "Oh, it's cold in here." <laughs> Oh, okay. It's so good. So, so I'm gonna awkwardly barrel roll in the best <laughs> and most epic segue. So that movie's crap, but it ain't hap. It ain't happening. The happening. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> no, we love this movie and we think it's secretly brilliant. <laughs> it tries. It genuinely tries to like. And I think there's an old Five Good Things episode where we we watched this movie and. By gosh, it is there's like some concepts that are super scary in this movie. But because it's M. Night Shyamalan, he doesn't know how to direct people, so it's absolutely ridiculous. It's supposed to be scary, but one, killer plants, and two, no joke people, for those that haven't seen it, there's a character that one of his opening lines is You like hot dogs? I think hot dogs get a bad rap. You're just going <laughs> What? Or what? there's a kid. Is no. It, oh, it's it's Spencer Breslin, right? That just randomly gets shotgunned in the gut, and the yes. whole time you're just thinking in the back of your head, "Ooh, what you say?" Hey, hey, hey. It's oh. 
Or Mark Wahlberg might have been hitting on one of his students when he was a teacher of just like yes! someone's like giving a they're talking about science and he's just like, yeah, you know, Chad, you're not always going to be good looking. You're going to need to care about science because one day you're not going to be as pretty as you are now. I'm going. Um, and that's not even like bringing up any of the other Mark Wahlberg moments from this movie. What? And, like, I no. swear it's <laughs> what? Or like <laughs> when he's talking to the plant, to the household plant. It's a plastic plant. <laughs> <laughs> he's like we're just gonna go to the bathroom and we're going don't we're like <laughs> like whoa like and, and i think the hard part too is like i can't even blame mark for this because it's uh, through the entire film it becomes obvious that it was a direction given to him by m night Shyamalan. because there's no like there's some moments he's got some great acting in this movie and then there's other moments like what no <laughs> or john liguizamo is just like you know what you got to take care of my kid okay come here sweetie don't you dare let anything happen to her i'm going okay tonal shift here or zoe deschanel not knowing what the word blink is so she's just like staring like the uh tootsie roll owl at the camera the whole entire movie not blinking it's such a bad movie but it's so egregiously bad that it ends up being entertaining. You get, what is it, Anna Paquin, like, stabbing herself in the neck with a knitting yes! needle. Oh just randomly. Gosh. Everyone just stopping in Central Park, freezing. Uh, just dialogue doesn't make sense. Or things people don't really say, like, hot dogs get a bad rap. Or some soldier in the middle of a field. This is my firearm! My firearm is my friend! Like, out of nowhere, or let's run from the wind, and then it's, we're going to oh. talk to each other through a tube, like an echo tube, because we're in a little hut, and we're in a house, and everything just kind of ends, because Shyamalan didn't know and how to end the movie. Yeah, it sucks, too, because, like, there's, a, like, like you and I always say, there's some really interesting concepts in this movie, like, the, like, winter, like, nature fighting back finally it's a it, the way that they go about it is absolutely ridiculous but like and like running from the wind it doesn't make sense unless there's certain things that he like he implies not very well but he implies that like is being carried on the it's wind that bees. It, like, oh interesting well like the movie is so terrible it's so bad but it's so hilarious it's one of those just just like how is this the movie that Disney turned down? Like, there's there's some famous Shyamalan movie that ended up being really, really bad that he initially pitched to Disney, and they're just like, uh, no, no thank you. That might have been Lady in the Water, though. Because Shyamalan, Shyamalan has a lot of movies to pick from in this category. Some are fun. Some are just painful. Looking at you after Earth that Will Smith is only just now kind of recovering from. Um, <laughs> and, and, like, uh, shout out to Lady in the Water, too, because, like, again had some good ideas but just couldn't like i'm sorry dude but when you have a guy who was like i'm a scientist because i only work out one arm and i just want to and it happens to be his right arm and there's no way that you can like <laughs> not make that connection like as an adult like dude it's so bad but like it's also super interesting and paul giamatti is 
pretty pretty decent in it but like yeah it's just it's early bryce dallas howard before she could say no to movies like before she helped save star wars she was unfortunately stuck in this movie oh man the happening is just so it's it's just so so much fun because of how bad it is but yeah um let's go with our first superhero movie the of today i don't know if josh it'll be on josh's list or not Batman versus Super- no, not Batman. I hate Batman versus Superman so much. Bro, I actually saw. I I was looking at lists of movies that there that were like people were saying it's so bad, it's so good, and like Joss Whedon's uh, Justice League was on there. No, I, I like Justice like, League. I was like, whoa, chill, bro, chill. I think Justice League gets unfairly bashed. I don't think it's that bad. It's by no, no means it's, the worst DC time. movie. No, yeah, it's it's a good time. But uh, what movie you go with? What, what what are we going with here? The one that actually completely ruined the franchise and i think is well there's another one that i think could potentially be the one that started the superman curse but the thing that killed superman and he's still kind of trying to recover from to this day superman 4 the quest for peace you know the one with nuclear man where nuclear man says if you do not stop i must hurt people and i'm just going because the actor that played nuclear man wasn't a good enough actor they literally dub over all of his lines with lex luther's voice and i'm just going why at one point nuclear man with his saber tooth type claws scratches superman because his claws are kryptonite and that's not even mentioning superman fixing the great wall of china with his laser repair vision like he like looks at the great wall of china and the bricks magically jump cut themselves back into place and i'm just going i know superman has had a lot of weird powers over the years fixing the great wall of china with your eyes and magically floating down people with your eyes like not you know flying to catch them or whatever but actually telepathically bringing people down to safety is not one of Superman's powers. Christopher Reeve helped write the script for this movie. He clearly did not have a lot of writing experience on this one. (laughs) Josh, have you seen quest for peace? No, I've actively avoided it because I want to keep my, my vision, my version of Christopher Reeves is, uh, is good. Oh, you mean (laughs) by that? You mean only half of his movies are good? Because, <laughs> but he he's Superman, Naaman. Yeah, Superman. and Superman one, great. I like the extended cut more. Superman two, great. Superman three with Richard Pryor. Oh boy, it's a Richard Pryor movie, cameoing Superman. And then you get this movie, which is just bizarre. Um, granted, it was nice to have some people back, like. Um, Gene Hackman, I still don't like Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor, but it helps the movie when you've got characters that you're familiar with, as opposed to Superman 3, in which case Lois and Lex are just going, nope, you fired our friend, so we're not going to be in this movie, and Lois literally has a scene where she's just going, I'm on vacation, and conveniently shows up at the end of the movie again going, hmm, I wonder why they have Lana Lang in this movie instead of Lois, 
Hmm. But four is the movie that basically just sunk the studio that it was in. It got its budget slashed to a third right before they were filming, which is why literally all the flying shots are just the same shot recycled from previous movies with different backdrops in front of it. It's that cheap and it's that bad that you're just going, is this like dollar store Superman? This is just bad. I can't look away. At one point, (laughs) Nuclear Man hits Superman into the moon like a hammer hitting a nail. He just bops him over the head and he just sinks into the moon. You're going, cool. Could you not get Dolph Lundgren for Nuclear Man? Nope. Because this feels nope. like it was written for Dolph Lundgren, a tall, blonde, angry man. This feels like it was written for Dolph Lundgren, but but you couldn't get Dolph Lundgren? It, it's often in the conversation for a worst Superman movie of all time, but I'm tempted to give it a pass because of how much of its budget got slashed and how much behind-the-scenes issues there were, and Christopher Reeve... Was his heart was in the right place of let's get rid of all nuclear weapons and I'll just throw them into the sun like A for effort but F for execution but it ends up being fun and how badly they executed it they executed the Superman franchise until Brandon Ralph tried and then even then um that's not the yeah. only superhero movie though we're gonna talk about today no you want to talk about Blade Trinity <laughs> oh. That was not on my list, but okay. That's a superhero movie, and it's great. <laughs> I have not seen Blade Trinity, but I know the behind-the-scenes oh, issues. Dude, okay. First of all, this was Ryan Reynolds' um, uh, uh, audition to be uh, Deadpool. Obvious. It's so or Green Lantern. Obvious. Or Green Lantern, because like no, like legitimately, he, like his character has two swords. He's quippy, even while he's getting his butt kicked. Like it's 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 bad. And if you've ever thought, when you're watching WWE and you're like, man, Triple H is cool. I wonder what he'd be like as a vampire. This movie's for you. With a vampire (laughs) dog. (laughs) It's so bad. It is the worst of the Blade trilogy. But gosh, is it fun. Wesley Snipes is still doing his thing as, as blade the plot is absolutely ridiculous i think if i remember right this is the one where they tr- they introduce blood farms like as on a as a visual aspect where they're draining people like they have warehouses full of of, of humans that are being drained slowly is that like warehouses they, as in w-a-r-e or w-e-r-e i hate you anyway um <laughs> <laughs> it's it the acting is terrible the plot makes no sense it's 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 not good at all and the cgi is cringy but all the blade cg does not hold up as well as people no remember, it doesn't especially that original like the one. First one the first one's pretty good the first one this does one, not hold up cg wise no it does not quality but, wise but cg no. it is i think and that maybe you could say this about all the blade ones they are absolutely movies from their time and they are not. They have not held held up well. The acting is still terrible. The CGI is still bad. But gosh, it is so much fun, and that's all that matters in these. In these the one movies. that I always love is it's the. I think it's the first Blade that I'm still scratching my head as. What does that even mean? Is Wesley Snipes mother effers are always trying to ice skate uphill? Yeah. <laughs> what? What does that mean? <laughs> like, there's so and there's so many of those lines throughout these entire movies. Like they don't make sense, but 
I'm here for it, I guess. <laughs> That's like going and like your epic action line is like, and Kermit the Frog can't drive a Cadillac. Like, <laughs> I mean. What? That's, that's uh, not true. He, he's obviously he, he can obviously drive a car. We've we've seen it when in the movie Muppets go to Hollywood. Anyway, no, um, he doesn't drive a Cadillac. He rides a hog. <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, that was weirdly dark. Um, no, yeah, Blade Trinity is is so bad, but it's it's pretty entertaining, uh, especially if. Like, it's odd that Ryan Reynolds is, like, the best thing about that movie because he's so entertaining. Just by being Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he's basically as Deadpool as you're going to Deadpool in a movie that's not Deadpool, so. All right, how many? I've got five more. How many more you got? I got three, but the ones that you've ha- – we probably have a lot of similar ones or, like, I, the I'm ones sure. I've just forgotten to put. Just I've got at least two so that many. are – I've got at least two that are, like, my Mount Rushmore's if Mount Rushmore yeah. only had two. So I'll save those for last. Yeah. Um, one that I don't think is on Josh's list, Captain America. But don't worry, not the Marvel one. Oh, 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 gosh. I have forgotten about that movie <laughs> for a reason. It's so bad. But, like – <laughs> oh man there's certain parts of it that like i will randomly jump into my head like when he pulls the nuke what that he's laying on that's flying at the d at the at the white house and he's just like mm, no <laughs> i changes the like that's not how it, that's not how that works <laughs> so for those that don't know before the mcu was the mcu there's quite a few awful made-for-tv Marvel movies. Like, Thor has one, then Thor gets a sequel where he meets Bill Bixby's Hulk. Captain America, though, gets the worst, at, well, besides Doctor Strange and his really awful movie. Uh, no, Captain America really got the short end of the stick in terms of movies. And his first one, I know the sequels are bad too, but we'll focus specifically on the first one. Catcher in the Rye author J.D. Salinger's kid plays... It's not even, like, accurate to the source material, Steve Rogers. It's just kind of there. He's just, like, a regular soldier mm-hmm. who's kind of a horrible person. Like, he's not even worthy of being Captain America. Twice in this movie, he needs to get somewhere, so he hitchhikes a ride and goes, Oh, I don't feel good. Can you pull over? And he pretends he's throwing up. So when the person goes to check on him, he quickly runs and steals the car, stranding the other person. He does that twice. I'm going, (laughs) first of all, Captain America knows how to steal a car. Second of all, you're faking throwing up so you can cowardly run to the unlocked car and drive away. You think someone's just going to leave the car running? Oh, and then that's not even introducing the Italian Red Skull. Not German, not a Nazi. He's Italian, and he looks so bad. He looks like a villain that you might see in like a Chuck E. Cheese. He's like if you wear a Cheeto as a helmet for Halloween. He looks so bad. The Captain America shield is literally an oversized frisbee that actually kind of fluctuates what's in the air because it's so poorly made. He has rubber ears on the outside of his helmet, not actually ear holes for his ears to come out of his mask. Fake ears on the side of his helmet. I'm just, 
I'm pretty sure this movie was made for like 10 bucks. And how bad it is, and how terrible the acting is, the effects. The end of it, he literally throws the shield at Red Skull, who falls off a cliff, and it's clearly a dummy that they just yeeted off the side of a mountain <laughs> and see it hit everything on the way yeah. down. You're just like, this is horrible. And I kind of love every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I one of the things I remember the the uh, was it the origin of how they made the Red Skull in the movie is like kind of scary and like really like and there's like cheap like did like free I remember whatever reason I remember them like mutating a rat with it first and then them using that serum on the red skull and it was like that that's why he looks that way and it was like i just remember being like kind of scared of the rat for no stupid reason um but yeah no it is it is bad it's like i still i can't get over he's riding the nuke he's he's riding the nuke and he pulls it up why you can't that's not how you change trajectory someone just watched the ending of dr strange love i'm so it's it so, is one of those movies that is right there on the edge of being so bad it's good. Because at certain points, it's so bad that it's just bad. Like, it is not entertaining. But I mean, I think it's entertaining now to go back and see, like, what we have and what we didn't, what we, um, like, had before. It's entertaining yeah. to be like, oh, okay, cool. So this is uh, what happens when somebody takes the source material seriously. And this is what happens when somebody tries to make some money without a budget. Like, yeah. It's yeah. Just I, not... I think it'd be a bad movie if there wasn't a Captain America movie. Like, okay, yeah. we can at least poke fun and laugh at this movie. Um, my other superhero movie, my last one is yet again, our boy coming through in the clutch for us, Nicholas Cage, Ghost Rider, Spirit oh. of Vengeance. Yes. <laughs> yes i love this movie so much i don't need to like oh the the i think the the thing that sold it for me was here seeing nicholas cage's reaction like in interviews like trying to explain like what's going on in this film and like he's so passionate and like excited for this stuff and like and like i think it was like jimmy fallon or something was like yeah uh that sounds super cool let's roll the 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 clip and like they show the clip and jimmy fallon's still like all right guys that's spirit of vengeance coming out (laughs) well because you know jimmy fallon is such a good interviewer and never yes has issues interviewing people god it's just they're so like (laughs) i think i i don't know where to start with this movie, that's the thing. I don't. So, like, I don't know even know. Like when when I think the pinnacle for me, outside of how this whole movie ends, um, is when he gets in that like excavator with a giant saw blade. It's so just, cool. It's so cool, but like, the, no like unironically like, cool though. It's not like it's so bad. It's good. That like, like genuinely that is so cool. So Ghost Rider, whatever he is riding turns into a vehicle for the ghost rider so he gets a giant excavating crane that turns into a gigantic 50 foot flaming chainsaw and you're just going i don't care about logic it's beautiful and it's killing people it's cool 
Yeah, they definitely like at, at at some point for this movie they're like, yeah, no, Ghost Rider's gonna have to absolutely murder some people. <laughs> like at no qualms at this top point in the movie, they're like, yeah, no, like they're like Ghost Rider could be kind of good. Like he's like an antihero, you know? No, like he's legitimately murdering everybody he sees. <laughs> like, oh man. Also, I think it's funny that. It's just elbows like, oh man, I think after Thor Ragnarok, I'm just done with the character of Heimdall. I, I want him to be done. I'm done with Marvel. I'm just going, you weren't done with Marvel after you did Spirit of Vengeance? Because Idris Elba's in it as like an angel or a monk or something mm-hmm. that gets He's thrown out of a cliff. And people are literally like, how did she survive? By the grace of God. No joke. They do a family guy style cutaway to how he survived. And he literally just gets stuck in a tree with weird Switzerland music in the background. I'm going, did you just do a family guy cutaway (laughs) gag in a Ghost Rider movie? To a man stuck in a tree. A very confused Idris Elba in a tree. Uh, and then they get drunk at the monastery. <laughs> I, I think I might go watch this movie after we're done recording because it's so funny. And then there's it's a kid so that's terrible. gonna become the devil. Yes, and he ends up. He's like, "No, it's my choice." <laughs> oh man, it's so bad, but it's so like like nothing makes sense, and that's why nothing it's makes good. sense. But a lot like in the like the excavator that turns into a giant flaming chainsaw, like. It's there's so much and I can, I think I can say this even in like the first Ghost Rider. There's so much stuff in both of these movies that is un- unironically cool. It's, they're just in these movies. It like this is like peak Nicolas Cage. Like he not quite almost. We'll save like, that one for last because that's probably our the, favorite. <laughs> the he's knocking at, at the, the door. door. Like, oh, dude, it's so, like, there's such great, terrible filmmaking that, both, honestly, both I Ghost Riders. Yeah. At least like, the first one, like, kind of, it's that early 2000s bad, like, mm-hmm. Daredevil and Fantastic Four. Although, the first Ghost Rider still has some elements that I'm very confused about, like, Nicolas Cage having a martini glass full of jelly beans while watching monkey fails on tv i'm going uh, that's just was this, this a special cage. request from cage himself to be in this movie or it's like one of those like really really, really like uh niche like not well known uh, comic strips that happens in the ghost rider lore that he's yeah just like 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 just like okay cool uh or like but like stuff like when he's Ghost Rider on the bike and he's literally driving up the side of a building and it's it, like it's just so cool. Well, to be like, fair, that's that's a Ghost Rider thing. That's absolutely something Ghost Rider does. I, I mean, I know, but like, <laughs> it doesn't make it any less ridiculous. Ghost Rider, Nicholas Cage, Ghost Rider in Multiverse of Madness, please. Oh, don't tempt me with a good time. Oh, have him meet. <laughs> Have Shuri just like observe anything that happens with, with Ghost Rider, and she's just like, "I, science cannot explain how stupid this is." At the end, make the, Shuri, make Shuri the Batman of the of Marvel universe. The end credits of Black Panther two. Um, Shuri, we know you're the new ruler of Wakanda and everything, but there's somebody asking to see you. I'm knocking at Wakanda's door. <laughs> All right, we got three left. Josh has three left. Josh, what's one that's not 
one of the obvious ones. I don't. There's <laughs> um, two obvious ones. I think they were both gonna have. Yeah, uh, Deep Blue Sea is one I have on. Okay. Here. See, I don't think that's that bad from a filmmaking See, perspective. No. Well, mm, mm, eh, mm. the CGI is really bad, and the story is not. Oh, so you great. don't. You mean you don't like CGI ragdoll Samuel L. Jackson getting eaten by a shark? See, like, and that's what I think. Like. Uh, because of the memes that have come from this movie, it's hard to kind of like be like, no, like it's it's not a bad movie. It's really entertaining. Like, no, like it is a terrible movie. Um, uh, yeah, yes. it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. She kills one of them, kills one of the sharks by like luring it into like an oven and then shutting that oven and kill it. Like, shut up. No, that's not how this works. Especially when that that oven is also underwater. It's a like, Dutch oven. That's not no. That's not how. That's not how electronics work. You can't no. Like no. Um, no. Nah, it's just it's not good. But like, there's so much memorable crap that happens in it. Like the, like the. Uh, We're gonna the seal up this hole. Oh, We're gonna survive. <laughs> like oh, dude, it's so terrible. It's it's up there like with the Samuel Jackson like moments snakes of, on a plane uh, snakes on a plane like it's from that era of like just on the peak of when sharknado started being a thing um it's just it's late 90s bad and it's 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 just memorable in the worst worst kind of way excuse me oh my <laughs> my body was like don't talk about this movie anymore <laughs> so now now's the time we all get to enjoy josh being pissed off by one of my picks Jason X. I have this movie on here as well. Oh, then we are is... miss. Then we do not have one lined up. Yeah, interesting. Uh, okay. So here's the thing: Jason X is not a good. <laughs> it's not a good movie. No, nope, it it's a, a great slasher. movie. <laughs> it's a terrible slasher with an absolute ridiculously ridiculous uh, premise. No, it's a good slasher. It's a bad Friday. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. All right, you know what? I'm going to let you, since since you're presenting it on your list, I'll let you take it then. I think as a slasher movie, it's actually one of the better ones because the slashing is really good. Jason X has my favorite Friday the 13th kill of all time. He takes a woman's head and dunks it in liquid nitrogen and then hits the head on the counter. Like, that's genius. And then, but on the same time, you've got a man in a space suit colliding with jason mid-orbit and then just gets thrown to earth i'm coming mother effers <laughs> like just flying off into space or, randomly or, at the end or there's a hologram room there's characters there's... whose nipples fall off not like get cut off or anything they fall off or like the girl that's like getting sucked out of the ship and she's like man this sucks and they get sucked out of the ship like Bro, did I write this movie? What is going on? There's a stoner who gets his arm cut off and doesn't think anything of it. He just picks it up like it's dropped yes. his wallet and oh. is just like, okay. Like, what? It should sure work. It, uh, no see, it's kind of self-aware, though, that it's bad. Yeah, I think because there's no way that this was not written as comedy, especially because when he he uh, Jason throws that guy, is it a guy? I think throws one of the characters under that circular drill, and it's shot stays on it for too long of like him like circling down the drill bit. It's like that's 
There's no way that this isn't done for comedic effect. That the timing is perfect. It's not. Oh, it's so. It's hilarious. It's it's too funny for its own good. I'm still waiting on the day because I think they basically stole the set from it. That we get a Jason X Xenon Girl of the 21st Century crossover because <laughs> they look like they're shot on the same set, and I just need jason to kill the zoom 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 guy supernova or whatever his name was because the stupid spiky hair uh jason x oh, is just man. dumb but i think it knows it's dumb whereas our last two movies here think they're art and think they're much better than they are we're gonna save the one that i know is on josh's list but for last this other one is the citizen kane of bad and i'm surprised josh didn't mention it and it's one of my favorite comedies of all time, even though it was absolutely not intended to be The Room. Yeah. The Room is just a student film gone wrong, except it's not a student. And it was a budget of $8 million, which for 2001, holy crap, that was a lot of money. Yeah. So The Room is a story in and of itself. Tommy Wiseau stars in, produces, writes, directs this movie. Everything. Pretty sure he catered. Well, he would cater if he felt like feeding his actors. Um, but most movies are either shot on digital cameras or film cameras. Tommy Wiseau is going, I want to be first director to do both at the same time. And so... He films the entire movie, creates this whole rig that's not existent, films this whole rig to shoot it on digital and film at the same time. The editing process for film camera, for film movies, and digital movies are not the same process! Why? You're just overcomplicating it. <laughs> and so reports a few years ago were the time or so was it was thinking about re-releasing the room on 4K. Using some of the... Uh, basically just doing a remaster or a rescan... So I'm going, okay, cool. You shot this on film, so that might translate well to 4K and look pretty solid. Tom Wasosu's going, oh yeah, we're going to use the digital footage for a 4K. I'm going, you freaking moron! <laughs> you do realize digital cameras from 2001 are not going to look as good upscaled as film <laughs> from 2001. Like, I'm pretty sure you shot it in like 720p. Maybe 1080 if you were lucky. Like, why not just reuse the film? That would translate well, so at least something would look good about this movie. The Room is like a fever dream of a movie. There's like five plot points that never get addressed again. There's a dude that gets shaken down for money. Where's my money, Denny? And then the drug dealer never comes back into play in this movie. Or... An abusive boyfriend that gets mentioned and is never brought up again in the greatest scene in cinematic history of, I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bull. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, oh, Mark. Mark. And then Mark <laughs> immediately tells him of the story about this dude that used to hit his girlfriend so bad that she ended up in a hospital down on Guerrero Street, to which Tommy laughs. <laughs> what a story, Mark. Like... It's like a computer wrote the script using AI technology. It doesn't connect at all. There's a mom who just goes, I got the test results back. 
I have cancer. And it's never addressed again. She's totally <laughs> fine with having cancer. She's not stressed or worried. But heaven forbid, she thinks her daughter might be cheating on her boyfriend. That's more important than cancer. Tommy Wiseau cannot act. There's a sex scene on a staircase that goes on way too long. Except... <laughs> I don't want to be too graphic with it, but the important clothes for a sex scene stay on. So logically, you're just going, how is this working right now? Um, or there's a yet another sex scene where I'm pretty sure there's aiming for the belly button. Then <laughs> they spoof it in Disaster Artist, which it's weird to me that a movie about a movie is better than the movie itself. Like the Disaster Artist like got academy award nominations it's that good of a movie but the room if you watch it as a comedy it is single-handedly one of the greatest comedic pieces ever created as a film it's everything not to do in a movie like there's bad adring there's scenes of characters going out to the parking lot to throw a football around while in full tuxedos why they're in full tuxedos we don't know they won't be in tuxedos ever again they don't play football though they just play catch they just throw the football around and call that playing football at the end spoiler alert tommy shoots himself but was supposed to originally have a monologue after shooting himself going you're dead he goes into a quote-unquote primal rage, in which case he just kind of casually knocks stuff off the fireplace and kind of casually chucks his 4 by 3 monster of a TV. There's a scene where he picks up flowers and the dialogue is like completely reversed. Hi, I'd like to buy five. I'd like to buy a dozen roses. Oh, hi, Tommy didn't realize it was you. Here's you go. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Bye. That's the that's how the dialogue comes out and you're just going What? The whole time you're watching it, your brain is trying to catch up with the previous couple scenes that you've seen just going I'm so confused, but if you're watching in a group, be confused together and have fun with it. I'm determined before I die, I'm going to see this in theaters with a group of people because this is one of those like WTFs of movie making going why are all the picture frames here pictures of spoons? I don't get it, but I don't want to get it because Tommy's not human, and that's why it's beautiful. I hate this movie. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's even, like, so bad it's good. I just don't like it. I, uh. and I, I feel bad because, like, I, that might be the part of me that's also, like, refusing to see Squid Game just – like, no, I'm not going to out of spite because <laughs> and I think the question would be also raised that <clears throat> would this movie be considered one of those so bad it's good if the disaster artist didn't come out? Yes, and if I still love the room. I was excited uh, for the disaster see, artist because I love the room. I, yeah. And see, I just don't see like, it's so bad. There it's was midnight cringy. screenings. There was midnight screenings for the room even before the disaster artist. Like it's had this cult following for years because it's every it's literally everything about filmmaking done wrong. Bad audio, bad camera work that makes no sense, nothing coherent story-wise, bad acting, no air conditioning on set, um, 
a whole bunch of stuff that just does not make sense. But in that nonsensicalness, you find the joy that is the room, unless you're dead inside like Josh. Yep, dead inside. So I hate it. No, I, I don't know, man. I, I think, and maybe this is like the hipster Josh coming out. It's like, well, just because everybody likes it doesn't mean I have to. With oh, you mean like Civil War? I don't know what you're talking about. It's so a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> does it give us cool con- comic book panels brought to life? Yes. Does the story make any sense? No. Yes, um, it does. Oh, it does it. Josh anyway. is just being contrarian just to be contrarian. No, it doesn't. It's got three different three different revenge stories going on at the same time, and none of them mesh well with each other. Anyway. So um, Josh's points don't make any sense. So he needs to be burned alive. But he's going to ask the whole time, how do I get burned? How do I get burned? Because obviously. Oh, I'll just, I'll just put on a bear costume and punch the crap out of you. <laughs> oh, it's like even in context, that scene doesn't make sense. We're, of course, talking about the atrocity that is Nicolas Cage's The, the Wicker majesty. Man. The majesty. The oh. majesty of Nicolas Cage's Wicker Man. <laughs> The, like this movie has everything man do you want nicholas cage ask, asking absurd questions like when the <laughs> group of people come up with a sack from the ocean well what is that a shark like doesn't investigate even though it's dripping blood like, um <laughs> holds a woman at gunpoint to steal her bike um, <laughs> and dri- drives that bike through a swarm of bees which is already established that he's allergic to bees so in the movie when he gets stung by a bee hey let me run further into the bees home not away from the bees let me run further towards the bee that's not even talking about there's a character named sister beach there's a character that gets roadhouse roundhouse kicked into a wall (laughs) unleashes a squeal a squeal, oh. the likes of which I've never heard in a movie ever again. But, like, just oh. a flail attack Nicolas Cage. And, like, how to get burned, how to, how to get burned, how to get burned, how to get burned. I don't know! Like, also, oh. we mentioned this at the beginning of the show with Nicolas Cage with random Jordan Sparks cameo in Left Behind. The Wicker Man has probably one of the most bizarre movie cameos we have ever seen so josh and i watched the wicker man for the first time in college just because so many people had spoofed it we're like we're gonna watch it for ourselves we'd already watched like the nostalgia critic one video talking about it and everything else so we were familiar with it but when we're watching it there's a scene with nicholas cage in a bar and a diner specifically and we're just going wait a second pause we all get within like two inches of the tv Aaron Eckhart from The Dark Knight? Look it up on IMDb. Aaron Eckhart, uncredited. There's this dude hiding in the back of the frame of the movie. Doesn't say a line. He's just a cop in a diner drinking a cup of coffee. And it's Aaron Eckhart with a mustache. Go, why is Aaron Eckhart in this movie? It's not like he was a no-name at this point. He was already in The Dark Knight. Like, he was already a made actor. Why are you in this for no lines for two seconds? And this is also a movie that has a random James Franco cameo at the end. Yes! Like, like what in the world? That at least makes sense of, okay, someone else will eventually get lured into an island. But Aaron Eckhart, that's like casting, I don't know, Tom Hardy 
to be in your horrible, horrible horror movie, but having him be just some passerby in the street that just goes by for a quick second. You're just going, was that Tom Hardy? You're just going, <laughs> is that Aaron, Aaron Eckhart? Eckhart? Like... <laughs> Two Face? What? Why, Why is, he is he here? He doesn't come back ever again. No, and then he has no line. We immediately just go to the next scene where Nicholas. No, the scene right before it. Nicholas Cage is picking up some little girl's doll from the side of the road, but he can't do it like a normal person where he stops his uh, bike or whatever. He's got to do it in the coolest way possible. So he's still driving his motorcycle and just kind of scoops it up on the side of the road like a epic hero shot like diffusing a bomb type of heroics and you're just going what shot so and then he's trying to rescue this girl from a flaming car but the girl doesn't want to the girl doesn't want to be saved and so she gets hit by a truck and so that's supposed to be horrifying like a jump cut but you laugh and then they do the same jump scare a few more times in the movie to the point that it becomes comedic he sees the the ghost or whatever of the girl on a boat that he's on and the ghost gets hit by the train too and you're just going that's not scary that's, that's funny so seeing a ghost get hit by a train because <laughs> now it doesn't matter like it's just there's so much in this film that doesn't make sense and it what's so funny is there's so few Nicolas Cage movies that we've talked about like I almost put Drive Angry on this list no that's Be- a masterpiece it is because it that's, is a masterpiece that's a self-aware fun movie <laughs> It's so bad though. But like, yeah, like this is like, what's so funny is I thought that this was for the longest time that this was an M. Night Shyamalan movie, but like he directed it and stuff like that. But like, I think he only produced mm-hmm. or something like that. It was like, he's involved, but like barely at all. Just, it's kind of like uh, Michael Bay being involved with certain movies. It's like, oh, well he produced it, but it's not him directing it. So it's not. Yeah. But like, oh. This is one of those that you have to get the director's cut, which is hilarious that that is a thing that exists. Um, the unrated cut is where he says, not the bees. Yes, the, the unrated cut. Watch that with a group of friends. You don't even have to be drunk or high or anything. Like This is just a good time of absolute ridiculousness. The whole scene of him questioning the teacher in the schoolhouse in front of the, the students is – absolutely ridiculous like there's just i don't i don't understand (laughs) the scene of him being attacked by the bees not the bees is legendary yeah but if that's all you've seen of the wicker man you're still missing so much that else that just questions reality you have your quote-unquote main villain that's dressed like uh lady galadriel from lord of the rings if she cosplayed as william wallace from braveheart (laughs) or like Josh's favorite part of the whole movie, Nicolas Cage dressed as a bear, punching someone in the face, and then running off with a child. Like, saying the words coming out of my mouth right now. Even in context, the scene doesn't make sense, and it's so abrupt, and out of nowhere, and there's no context given into why or when he got in a bear suit. But... And I don't, I don't, I'm trying to remember, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I don't think there's any, like, background music or anything either, so it's no. just super awkward, like, it's not like he comes out of nowhere, he literally just spends a couple seconds just running up this hill at full speed as a bear, just to sucker punch this person, and, and you're just, just going, 
she just stares at him the whole time. <laughs> like, she sees him coming. I'm about to die laughing at this because it's so, so funny to me because I see it in my head all the time. She, like, stares at him as he's running up this hill. And, like, there's no, no, she makes no, like, indication that she has no idea what's going on. She just stares like, oh, that's a running bear at me. That's normal. And then, ah! Like, what is... But not on all fours. Oh. On two legs like a regular yeah. person. It's a man-bear pig, basically. I can't. It's just... There's so many questions that I have about this movie, but I don't want them answered just because it's so... Like the room of just... How did this go so wrong? Who said this is okay? This is one of our favorite five good things. We're just going, we love this movie, but for not the right reasons for five good things. So trying to find positive things about this is going to be tricky because the cinematography is pretty competent and the music's pretty good. And there is some creepy imagery that if it was done properly could have been actually scary, but it's only because people open their mouths is when the issue started arising because the dialogue is bad, like how to get burned or here, let me answer your question with a completely unrelated, vague answer. Like, where's Willow? Where any of us go when we are needed going. What? <laughs> what? Or like, is this red or blue? What is color? Color is subjective. That type of stuff is everywhere in The Wicker Man. You're just going, I have so many questions right now. And you're not going to answer any of them. <laughs> but I think, like, the dialogue, like, because it is that way, I think that's why I thought this was an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Because that sounds like something he'd put in the movie. That would like, and then not explain anything. Like it, yeah. Mm, good uh, stuff. Good soup. Good soup. I'm so glad that I've gotten you saying that now. Yeah. I only really say it when you're around because <laughs> it's one of Josh's phrases. So, it is good soup. I enjoy watching bad movies with people because it's just fun. Because we will never disparage the people that make these bad movies because making movies is a hard thing. Mm -hmm. I think watching bad movies, if anything, is a beneficial thing because it makes you appreciate the talent and skills that go into making good movies. Like after we started five good things, we're like, I appreciate certain things more and I can appreciate certain elements to movies more. So I enjoy watching bad movies, but it's got to be in a group setting. You can't make me watch bad movies by myself. Like, I know she doesn't like it as much, but I will not watch The Wicker Man or The Room without Heather just because we need to watch them, experience them together. Because she'll point out things in The Room that don't make sense that I miss. Like, Heather's the one that pointed out to me that The Room is most likely called The Room because almost all of it takes place in one room. I'm going, whoa. Good job, Heather! Maybe it's originally notice that. That's crazy. I'm like, maybe it's originally intended as a play instead. That would have made a whole lot more sense. But I, I like bad movies because they make me appreciate the good ones all the more. Uh, well, what do you guys think? What are some of your favorite, like, so bad that you just enjoy how bad or stupid they get? Let us know what it was like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to. It's on whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. Check out the new shirt design that's up now. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.